Hi, everyone. I'm here with David. Man, you've got quite a story to tell, brother. What's, uh, do, you want, do you want to read me the, the email that you sent? Yes, sir. Um, so I'll just go ahead and get this started. Uh, hey, Stefan. First, I'd like to thank you for the amazing work you're doing. I appreciate your wise words and perspectives. Let me introduce myself. My name is David. I'm a 24-year-old veteran. I'm currently going through a divorce with my wife of four years. We have a two-year-old daughter. Uh, the divorce is not mutual. She wants a divorce, and I want to fix and maintain the relationship because I grew up in a split household from a young age. I'm having a rough time dealing with this because of the complexity and how she's acting so far. I struggle with a host of mental issues, including virtually no self-worth, depression since a young age, and I wasn't aware of my own anxiety until last year. I'm having a really hard hot time maintaining the high road excuse me, and trying to be civil when she persists on being difficult, combative, and manipulative. We got married young and in a hurry. In hindsight, I definitely overlooked red flags, and I'm well aware of my own faults in that. I'm seeking advice on how to maintain the high road and doing the right thing, even though it seems like it's all for naught. I know you're extremely busy and have a bunch of other people to deal with, but if you can make the time to talk to me, I would really appreciate your insight and tough love. Well, and make the time I will. I'm, I'm incredibly sorry, of course, about your, your history and the issues that you're struggling with. Um, do you want to talk about the story of how you met your wife, what the marriage was like, and, and what happened more recently? Yeah, I can I can get into that. First, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Um, I just want to get that out of the way. But yeah, I can get into the, kind of the backstory. Um, so it was kind of a interesting situation. Um, we had been friends of friends for a significant amount of time. Uh, kind of the, inter the school that I had went to, um, it was a smaller Christian school. And so they had a lot of um, connections with other, you know, Christian organizations and, and schools and stuff like that. Um, one of which she had friends that went to, which were associated with our school through via sports. Um, because we didn't have, uh, the school didn't, we didn't have a lot of people who went to the school. So, um, we kind of imported talent from another school that didn't have a, um, that didn't have its own league or the capacity to have its own league in, in volleyball, soccer, and basketball. Um, so we kind of knew each other, uh, you know, via those connections or whatever. And I think we had interacted a few times before, um, but never really, one-on-one -on -one, never really, you know, actually directly communicated to each other. And then um, I happened to be in California at the time. That's where I was stationed. And uh, I had seen her pop up on my social media, Facebook. And I I was just like, she looks familiar. Um, I was like, let me just send her a message, see if there's somebody I think I know and whatever. And sent her a message. We started talking, you know, figured out who each other was. And it went from zero to a hundred real quick. Um, <laughs> so, uh, within that year, actually, this was, um, uh, when was this? this was 2014. So within that year, by the end of the year, this was in May that we started talking. Um, and by the end of the year we were dating and then we ended up, um, we ended up getting engaged that same year. 2014 that was all in 2014 so from you got, so you got engaged May, the same year how long did it take for you guys to tie the knot um so that year uh i had a deployment coming up um 
which I guess I was in hindsight kind of pressured. That's why we felt the pressure um, of all that stuff. And uh, so I, I deployed in the fall of 2014, then uh, came back stateside in May uh, 20, or I got there in uh, April 2015. We got married in May. Okay, okay. Where were you deployed to? Um, first deployment, uh, I was in Kuwait, Iraq, and Syria a little bit. And you don't have to get into any details. You're not comfortable with, of course, but did you, I mean, was it combat? Was it like IEDs, roadside bombs, blood in the air? I mean... No, um, no, that's uh, funny about that. That's kind of uh, my disgruntledness with my service was the fact that we kind of got benched um due to the obama administration but that's a story for another time um but we ended up uh our mission got switched around a few times before we even deployed because when i got to my unit we were supposed to be the last ones into afghanistan um which they ended up canceling that and then we were going to do some force training for uh dubai armed forces and then they canceled that and then we ended up doing what's called uh trap it is an acronym for Tactical Recovery of Aircraft and Aircraft Personnel. So basically, um, the, during that time, they were doing a bombing campaign on ISIS, and they would send the birds out to go do their missions, but they would also uh, have us on a QRF, which is Quick Reaction Force. So we would have about a platoon um, on standby to basically load up on a helicopter on an Osprey and fly out and go get the pilots if they got shot down. And we recover the pilots, uh, recover classified material off of any aircraft that was, um, you know, was shot down or destroy it if it wasn't salvageable. And then we would, you know, get them on the bird and take them back to, to our base. So it wasn't really. Um, Sorry to interrupt, man, but that, that kind of been super common, right? Um, actually, no. Uh, we had a really boring deployment um, because the the. The allies that we had, who were also a part of the bombing campaign, um, I mean, we had we had more advanced stuff. Uh, everybody was pretty much fine. There was actually we only had one incident, and it was around uh, December. There was a um, Jordanian pilot who got shot down or got clipped by his wingman. They uh, they weren't too sure what had happened, but he ended up going down near an ISIS stronghold. They had guys waiting for him as soon as he touched the ground, and uh, we were going to send somebody out. They were going to send some guys out, and I was actually really worried about that because they everyone would have died had they launched that mission. They were actually halfway there before they canceled it, but it was a suicide mission because the loadout that we were given to complete these missions was it's a hit and load run. It's not enough to sustain a fight, and the the, the amount of assets that they had at that stronghold. It would have been. It was a suicide mission. Um, you mean if if you'd been deployed so on the was, ground to go rescue the guy who'd been who'd clipped or was down, right? The you you your yes, belief yes. that would have been a suicide mission, right? It was. It was a suicide mission. Um, when they sent those guys out, we were all we were all you know we were like, man, we're probably not going to see those guys ever again. And um, you know, I, I just, just want to up for a second. It's it's just a, a point in talking with military men, David. I mean, the one thing that I hear is that, man, you know, you read these stories of government waste, you know, oh, you know, they, they funded how Tetsi flies mate and, you know, like half a million. Like nobody understands government waste like a soldier does. Nobody. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. Uh, yeah. No, that is 100% true. And I, Yeah, that was one of the things. We were just sitting there. We were, you know, we were just all like, if, yeah, if they go, they, they, they did send them out and they were about halfway to um, – 
to uh, I think it was around the Syrian border. Um, they're about halfway. There's a six hour flight. They were like almost three hours in before they called him off. Um, and it would have been, yeah, like they would have, they would have died. There would, there would have been no way, um, there would have been nobody, you know, that we could have been able to send like in, in, in anything else we would have thrown at it would have been all for naught because, you know, they, they had the upper hand over there and anybody else coming in after them would have died as well. So it was, so you know, the whole thing you were trained for only happened once and then it wasn't even you and it was called off. Is, is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. It got called off. It was actually, um, I think it was like a day or two after we got off of our rotation because we did one week on, uh, one week off or one week on, uh, three weeks off, I believe. Yeah. If I can remember correctly. So yeah, that was everything we had trained for. And it was actually really funny because it wasn't something we trained for long. We literally had a month of training and then we deployed to go do it. So it was, you know, we were learning all of this stuff on the fly and then that happened and we were like, well, <laughs> this is this is bad news for you know anybody who's on that bird. And I had some friends on that bird too, and I was like, man, this is like this is gonna be you know tragic if if they don't call it off because there's not you know there's not nothing we can do for those guys. Right. So, so that I was mean, pretty. The, 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 is, is, it, is it completely unfair for me to say? And tell me if it is. Of course, that the greatest trauma was boredom. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't want to uh, tell you what it was like, but you know, that just sounds like a whole lot no. of nothing and it would drive me kind no, of crazy. It, right. It, I mean, cause you got a it, lot of time it, to kill it, and it's really, really hot. Yes. Yes. It, it was extremely boring. Um, the first one that, yeah, my first deployment was there was more opportunities for things to become kinetic. Um, and it didn't happen. And, and then my second deployment, I was, uh, I was very pissed that they ended up sending me back to Kuwait and I sat behind a desk and uh, I was very disgruntled, very bored um, and just kind of irritated the whole time. You know, I didn't sign up. I didn't I didn't join the Marine Corps to sit behind a desk. You know, I don't see uh, that. I don't Uh, see that in the ads. You know, join the Marine Corps. You know, you're always like jumping out of helicopters (laughs) and scaling ropes. And it's like, hey, man, has anyone seen my stapler? I mean, that's just not in the ad, right? Exactly. Exactly. They don't really. They don't really put the admin people in the in the front of their ads. It's usually the infantry, what which I, what I joined, um, you know, running into a firefight, and then they got the air support and artillery and all the fun stuff. But what they don't tell you is, if we're not doing all the fun stuff, you're you know doing whatever they need you to do, which is you know usually cleaning or I you know I I one of the skills I did learn from the Marine Corps is I can, you need something cleaned. I'm your guy. I can clean that, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, lot, you but, you know I'm just getting I'm that just Batman voiceover, you know, yesterday I got a paper cut. <laughs> you know, it's just not, not what you think, right? Not, not the most gripping <laughs> movie around. Yeah, exactly. Like the highlight of our day was if we found like, you know, like a scorpion, um, and made it fight a spider or something, you know, that was, that was the highlight of our day. Or, or was, the yeah, main prayer for the guy stuck in the admin is, please never check my browser history. <laughs> exactly. That was, yeah, that was, that was pretty much all we did. Uh, that, that deployment, um, I think I smoked more cigarettes than I ever have in my entire life out of boredom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause there was nothing, there was absolutely nothing to do. You know, when we weren't training, we were just sitting in our rooms watching movies and we'd go out to the smoke pit, smoke like six cigarettes and then go back in, you know, a lot of, a lot of PlayStation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was actually funny because when we had gotten there, um, we were the first ones, uh, to really occupy that, that base. Um, since I want to say, uh, if I, if I remember correctly, since like 
the Gulf War um, as far as U.S. forces are concerned. So it was just it was just us out there. And then um, about three months in, the Air Force showed up and, you know, all the stereotypes are true about the Air Force. They're they're You know, they can't live without Wi-Fi and and stakes and all this other stuff. Um, so literally when they showed up, we had nothing. We barely had a, a PX, like a little shopping mart. It had the bare essentials, you know, like the basic cigarettes, the basic soap, you know, basic everything. And then they showed up and we had... It, you know, all the cigarettes, they were selling consoles out of the, you know, the PX or selling like high end electronics. Uh, our chow hall got, you know, a mega stimulus package. We had they had steaks and uh, and it was a crab legs on Fridays. And it was it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Like hey, after they got, came, got to keep the like, fly boys happy. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, when you get the biggest budget, you know, and all the armed forces, you can afford a few luxuries. So, right. Okay, so, um, but you were married, you got married before you deployed, right? Yes, I got married before I deployed. And then, so that was like for for a little over four years ago, if I've got that right, and then you you got home, and was that when your wife got pregnant? Um, No, she, we actually didn't get pregnant until... um, it was after my second deployment. It was the year I was getting out, 2017, the beginning of 2017. That's when we found out that she was pregnant. Um, and that was, you know, it was a huge shocker. That was one of the things I had talked to her before. Um, when we got married, I had told her, I was like, look, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have a kid while I'm in because, you know, my dad was, he was in the Navy when I was, um, a kid and he was gone a lot and that's always bothered me um you know that he wasn't around as much as i would have liked him to be but you know he's he's an amazing man i look up to him um and i appreciate his service um but that's something that bothered me and that was something i didn't want to have happen to my family um i wanted to be done with the service before you know so i could spend the time and be there i wanted to be there through the whole entire process you know from start to finish um so I, we had talked about that, but I told her cause she was kind of getting worried. Um, you know, cause how I was sounding like that. She's like, well, what if we have a kid? Are you going to be mad? And I was like, no, I'm not going to be mad. If we have a kid, we have a kid, but you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to, you know, make an effort to have a kid until, you know, I'm done with my service. And then that can be a more of a priority. But right now I kind of want to get through this focus on. Well, did you, I mean, were you trying, I mean, did, were you having unprotected sex? I mean, how, how did this come about if, if not in the biblical sense? You said what now? Yeah, did you? I mean, she got pregnant. Were you guys having unprotected sex? No, she was on birth control, and there's a funny story about that. Um, <laughs> and I, it makes I bet me you, laugh every I bet you're time. not the first man in history to tell this story, but but I'm certainly happy to hear. Oh, it, it you know it was at first I had thought it was an um, one of the very very few advertised small percentages that you know the birth control would fail but and it was funny during her whole pregnancy she was you know giving me all sorts of guff and you know like whenever we were hanging out with friends and family she'd be like oh well somebody you know is is super fertile like got fast swimmers you know the, all, all those jokes and uh and i was like well i was like hey it takes two to tango you know it's not necessarily 100 percent my fault and you know and I thought it was one of those things. And it turns out later, just based on the birth control that she was using, um, basically, if you play your cards right, it'll allow you to delay or play with your menstruation cycle. 
she decided it was a good idea to do that. And so she could enjoy some time, not, you know, not dealing with her menstrual cycle over a holiday. And that would, that is what called caused the failure because, you know, obviously the protection had worn out and, you know, she had not utilized the, uh, the other source of it. And then now we have a kid. <laughs> and do you so, think that she wanted that to was, get pregnant? Um, I think so because we had, you know, it was, it was a thing where she was definitely trying to change my mind on having a kid as soon as possible because she was really, she's like, Oh, I want to have kids while I'm young. I want to have kids while I'm young, you know, this, that, and the other thing I was like, I understand that, but I'm don't want to have a kid right now because I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm still in the Marine Corps and I don't want to, you know, especially if I'm in the job that I'm in, if anything happens, you know, we can get sent out and then I won't see you guys for God knows how long. So I don't, I want that stability to be able to be there for my family. Wait, so and you mean it like was e literally, even um, after you're back, you get cold up again. Is that right? Yes. Yes. When you're stateside, we have this thing called, um, oh, I cannot remember the acronym to save my life. Basically there's a, there's a standby, um, for a battalion to go on a, to a quick reaction force. So if anything were to happen in the world and we were to get sent out, you know, uh, by the president or whatever, that that battalion is designated to go wherever. It doesn't matter where, you know, we have to have our gear packed, ready to go for an entire month. Um, so if that anything were to kick off, we'd be the first ones out. And so that's always a possibility. And, and obviously if something catastrophic happened again, you know, war-wise or whatever, we're obviously going to mobilize. Um, so just that possibility, especially with things in the Middle East at that time, it wasn't certain, you know, if they were going to stick to the bombing campaign or if they were going to try to do something more kinetic and actually commit boots on ground uh, outside of special for forces and whatnot. So that was just a possibility, and that was something that kind of worried me. So I was like, you know, I want to be away from that before we try to have a family. And then um, – and obviously that last year I was in, um, found out she was pregnant in, in February. And then I had, was getting out in June of, uh, 2017. Okay. So she, so you were around for most of the pregnancy and the birth. Is that right? Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I was around for, for all of that. And that, um, was a lot <laughs> more of a nightmare than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> wait, what do you mean? That was, oh, just, um, just the way she was acting while she was pregnant. It was, it was a really weird dynamic. And, you know, I understand hormones and, you know, a lot of things changing, a lot of discomforts and stuff like that. But she was just really nasty, really, you know, mean spirited, um, would go out of her way to, you know, just, to, just to be nasty and mean. And I had told her, I had a conversation with her you know, after she had pregnant, just because, I mean, everything kind of stopped at that point, just like intimacy, just, you know, being civil, just, just small things. I was just like, I, I, I told her, I was like, I feel like now that you're pregnant, you got what you wanted from me. And now I'm no longer relevant, you know? Oh, so hang on, let me just, let's, let's she, just pause on this for a sec. Cause I mean, this is a big fear that, that men have. I'm not sure if you had it at the time, how much Kanye West you've been listening to, but, uh, but the big, the big fear, of course, is that once the woman is pregnant, she's kind of got you, right? Because, because if she decides to leave you, you get, you know, she gets the alimony, she gets the child support, 
And so once she's got once she's gotten pregnant, the the, the balance of power kind of shifts to her. And if she has ill intent or or if she's been kind of faking being normal for a while, well, she can kind of let her crazy flag fly at the top of the flagpole, so to speak. Is is that what we're talking about, or is it something else? Um, I mean, I guess there's some aspects of that that would be relevant in hindsight. Um, I don't think at the time, like that wasn't something I was concerned about. Um, you know, but now, you know, now we're in the midst of all this stuff and that definitely has that, you know, that power imbalance element to it, which, you know, it just makes things more fun. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I had, uh, there was some stuff in the beginning where I had some, you know, some fears and anxieties some gut feelings that I ignored, um, with, especially with the kind of the rush into everything. And, uh, a part of it was on me as well, but, you know, initially I, we were, you know, I had come home, um, from California to visit her. And, um, even before that trip, I was there for about, I want to say I was about two weeks or whatever. And before I left, she was really pushing me to, to, to date her and whatnot. And I was just like, I don't know. I think it's a little too soon. Like I kind of want to wait things out. And my stipulations is, you know, I was raised right. I'm kind of old fashioned in that sense. So I would, my thing was, I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, I need to ask your dad permission. Um, so she was really pushing me the night I, you know, I, we made it official. She was really, 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 really pushing me to, you know, she's like, go talk to him, go talk to him, go talk to him. I was like, I don't know. Like, it seems so soon. And I had my hesitations about it and just, you know, she just kept pressuring, 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 and I ended up doing it. And so there's this stuff. And I told her too. some of my fears was that she, you know, I was her ticket out because she, I mean, her family situation was not great. Um, and she was kind of, you know, floating around. Uh, she had just graduated and, you know, didn't really have much going for her. And that and that aspect was probably going to be, you know, in our hometown for a while um, until she figured out school and all that other stuff. So I told her, you know, I kind of felt like um, I had fears that, you know, I was just kind of a, a ticket out of out of where we lived and stuff. And that kind of during this that process, you know, that that stuff kind of, you know, felt more um, potent. You know, especially during the pregnancy and all that stuff, dealing with how. What was her degree in? Uh, um, she didn't. She didn't go to school, uh, college-wise. Oh, so um, you said she graduated? She just, Did you, know, you mean I, high school? Yes. Okay, got it. Got yes. it. Oh yeah, so so she didn't really have uh, any place to go or anything to do or any particular ambition, if if I understand this correctly. And so I want to say hook it into you, but you kind of a ticket, right? Like a, a ticket out, as you say, maybe a meal ticket too, right? Yes. But yeah, you know, not to say that you're not a great guy. I mean, sure you are, but uh, just as far as that, you know, cash practicality goes. Yeah. And, and, and another, I mean, just being in the military, consistent paycheck, a lot of benefits, you know, the stereo, the stereotype, we have that, um, that uh, phrase, we call them dependas, um, the spouses of military members, especially their more predatory types who seek out military members for those benefits and for the steady income and all that other stuff. I, I love a paycheck in um, uniform, I think the song goes, if I remember it rightly, something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, I had those feelings uh, about it, but, you know, she was like, oh, no, that's not the case. Like, I'm here for you and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. 
but you know, words and actions um, that weren't really lining up. Uh, There's just our time in California was rough, um, and I kind of chalked a lot of it to you know, well, this is the first time she's been away from her family, and you know, the stress of military life is a lot, you know, and it does take a toll on your relationships and stuff. And all around us, like all of our friends. Um, we're going through it and it was the funny thing is that we were doing the best out of everybody. Um, so that kind of, I guess, incentivized complacency when it came to just problems in general. Cause it's like, Oh, well at least we're not doing as bad as Bob and Jane, you know, like okay, they're so, at sorry, each other's throats. Uh, David, let's, let's just go back a little yeah. bit here because mm-hmm. I want to know what the red flags were specifically and, and why you, you bypassed them. Or why you got dragged behind your penis to bypass them, or whatever happened. You know, we, we're all men, so we could be frank um, with each other, right? But uh, yeah. so, what no, was yeah, scary, exactly. and and why did you, I guess, ignore it? So the one of the first red flags I noticed in the beginning was just a very blatant and flamboyant display of insecurities, because um, we had you know the talk about you know it's like oh who you know how many how many relationships have you been in and stuff like that. And I had, you know, I have no shame in my game. I have only, uh, I've only slept with two people, including my wife. And, no, see, um, that's a good thing. Only- no, no, listen, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, you know, give the, the, the player medal out because the fact that you've retained your capacity to, to pair bond and you don't, you know, you're a good looking, I've seen your picture, right? A good looking military guy. You could have, you could have gotten around, but you've, you've kept yourself uh, able to pair bond. That's right? a good thing, right? Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's hardwired. I've tried <laughs> to defy my coding and it just doesn't work. Um, right. Just not who I am as a person. So it is a good thing. Uh, kind of bite, bites me in the butt a little bit, but you know it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, so that was that was that situation where uh, we were you know just talking about that stuff. And uh, I have only you know had one girlfriend before um, before I got married or yeah before I got with my wife and. Um, and as I'm on the phone with her talking about this stuff, she goes out of her way to, you know, look up my ex on social media and then proceeds to berate her in front of me, basically, because we're on the phone with her mom. And that really made me upset because, wait, you know, wait, my thing what? is... What? Hang on. <laughs> Sorry, you're just jumping around here. I want to make sure I follow the story. So she, you, you tell her who your ex is. She looks your ex up in social media and you're on the phone with your girlfriend's mom and, and she's crapping on your ex no i'm on the phone i'm on the phone with her and we're not we're not in a relationship at this time it's not even official you know um and she is in the kitchen of her parents house with her mom and they're going back and forth ragging on my ex like while i'm still on the phone wow and yes (laughs) and i got really upset because you know my thing is um I've always tried to maintain some sort of civility with, you know, people I interact with, whether we're friends, you know, or more than friends or whatever. I like to maintain a friendship or some sort of civil contact. And I was like, look, I was like, listen, I was like, just because I'm not with her does not mean I don't care about her as a person. And I really don't appreciate you, you know, being disrespectful to somebody that I care about, you know. And Well, um, it's, it's also disrespectful to you, right? Because if there's... Yeah. 
a woman that you dated and they're all like, oh, she's a skank, she's a whore, she's a what, I don't know, whatever they were saying. It probably wasn't that harsh, but you know, uh, uh, she, she, she's ugly, she's fat, whatever, right? Well, that's, that's to your judgment, right? I mean, why would you be with somebody who was that terrible unless you had terrible judgment? Like you cannot insult a guy's exes or a woman's exes without insulting her and by extension yourself. So it's just a mess all around. Exactly. Yes. So that was one of the first major red flags um, that had popped up. And, you know, it was just like my thinking around that time is why kind of I, you know, just not necessarily swept it on the rug. But after I addressed it, left it alone was because I'm thinking like it was like, look, you know, obviously she's a little immature, you know, she's young and everything. So I was like, I'll just chalk it up to being young and immature, you know, and so proceeded to move on with that stuff and uh and just you know some of the things to think about it, like in hindsight just you know how passively manipulative she was being about certain things and then the pressure to you know date her and stuff like that that was a red flag because i'm just thinking like what's the rush what's the rush you know like, and how did she pressure you to date her just, you know, because I was at her house and we were talking about it and I was just, you know, and I told and I was telling her, I was like, look, you know, I think maybe we should just wait. Like, you know, I don't feel comfortable about doing this right now, blah, 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 blah. And she just kept, you know, just kept nagging about it and just like, oh, come on, do it. Like, like, let's just make it official, you know, just a whole, you know, just just constantly, you know, not in my face combative about it, but just kind of, I guess, more of a guilt trip. In that sense, you know. Sorry, but you hadn't slept with her yet, or or you weren't dating her at this point, is that right? So what can she guilt trip you about? Well, we had slept together, um, and to put it frankly, Sorry, so you slept together with her, and then she was like, well, make me your girlfriend, right? Make me a semi-honest woman on my way to being an honest woman, so to speak. No, it was not like that at all. It was actually quite the opposite, Um she basically jumped my bones the first night <laughs> that we were hanging out and um and then near the end of that trip she was just like make it official because i mean at, at the beginning of the day we, we kind of confessed that we were you know we loved each other and all that other stuff so that was there and but she actually initiated on that like so and um that was definitely interesting uh <laughs> Well, Frankly, never I mean, had that happen. I, I thought you were like just an old-fashioned guy and take your time. And, and so, I mean, what did she do? Did she just like take off her top and, and jump your – or like what happened? Pretty much. Like I – pretty much. <laughs> Honestly, it was all happening way too quickly before I realized what was happening. And I was just like, okay. And I was so shocked. I, you know, I didn't even have an orgasm, um, if I'm just going to be honest. So it was definitely an interesting – um, interaction. I mean, uh, I, I don't mean to get all with, sensitive on that, but I mean, it sounds halfway to a Me Too moment. <laughs> I've thought about it. Um, I really have, and it's not, it's not not something I wanted, but like I had told her, you know, it's like, it's not, you know, would I mind, you know, having sex? Absolutely not. I'm a guy, like, let's be honest, but it wasn't my priority and it wasn't something I was trying to, you know, I wasn't trying to necessarily pursue uh, off off the jump like that, especially, you know, first, you know, first interactions uh, in person since, you know, that long period over those months that we were talking, everything like that. So, but I wouldn't necessarily say, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a me too thing because, you know, 
as unexpected as it was, it's not like, oh, you know, this isn't something wanted. And I was like, oh, no, let's not, you know, because I, I didn't fight it. Like, let's be honest, I didn't fight it. Um, it was definitely interesting, but I didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was that deep. But that's, a, that means that's a huge red flag there, right? Which yes. is you're basically oh, yes, being sex bombed into a kind of vagina cult, right? Because it's like the bonding mechanism and so on that, that kicks in for men and for women when sexual activity occurs. And again, you, I mean, obviously you could have said no and all of that, but it is to me a, a huge red flag if a woman puts on like the sexual tsunami kind of out of nowhere. Uh, that's uh, an attempt to get you to bond and to not evaluate her personality, if that makes sense. Yes, and no, and and in hindsight, yes, I a hundred percent agree with you. And yeah, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. Thinking back on it, yeah, that was definitely a uh, calculated move on her part, you know, um, to get things jump started. Um, so yeah, and I understand that now. And it's I, you know, it was something at the time where I was like, well, that was kind of really weird, you know. It's not something I've usually, not something I've had happen, but. Then again, it's not like I have a long history of dating a bunch of people and have like a real grid to base that off of. Um, but even then, just having that limited knowledge that I did have, I was just like, yeah, this is not, you know, this is not normal. Um, <laughs> All right. So, you know, you've, you've listened to the show a bunch, right? So I'm sure you know the next question yeah. I'm going to ask. <laughs> I have an idea, but surprise me. All right, David. How pretty was she it's definitely um good looking um it's kind of it's kind of interesting because her looks not necessarily what drew me in um because i mean there's there's always that aspect of carnal desire and all that stuff like that i mean she's obviously good looking enough that uh <laughs> that that was a factor but it wasn't the selling point um you know because we really bonded connected with some similarities and stuff like that and it and i felt an actual connection with her outside of that stuff and we had spent so much time talking um without that physical aspect um that i you know i felt like we had a connection okay, uh, okay. and that's the stuff i kind of look for um but the red flags, right? So the red flags are she jumps your bones. The red flags are she's bitching about your ex with her mom. And you said that her family mm -hmm. situation was bad. And, and what was going on there? Oh, uh, her family, like, it was, it, it was, it was bad there. You know, a lot of drug use. Her brothers were, um, you know, they were, their parents didn't really police their own per se so their brothers her brothers were kind of running around you know running amok doing you know dealing drugs and uh <clears throat> being promiscuous and stuff like that and her and her parents as well um especially her dad was you know he was using drugs and her mom was pretty manipulative and abusive in that regard and just their history um Okay, but Just I mean, you, you understand, like, my jaw's on the floor, and everybody who listens to this, their jaw's going to be on the floor. Like, what <laughs> oh, the I hell, dude? Like, I was what listening, the hell? I was literally listening. <laughs> I was literally listening to a few of your other 
um, one-on-one interviews. Oh, and you know, I was just like, I know as soon as I tell him this stuff, it's just going to be like, dude, really? And, I, you know, I was bracing for impact because I knew this was going to come to this. So A family drug I, den? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Family on drugs? You got, yes. what, gang-banging, drug-dealing brothers? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, so that's well, you, why you, that's your what dad's I a navy guy, and you're a stand-up life. guy, and then you get drawn into this like, like this mafia, like what the hell? Yeah, I, hindsight's twenty twenty. No, no, that's, come that's on, that's, that's not a hindsight situation here. <laughs> like I've, you know, you you asked me for some tough love, right? Come on, this is not yeah. a hindsight. No, like you right. know, well, in hindsight, you know, I guess I guess the drug dealing family structure. Was was it's like this is not a hindsight situation, right? The hindsight situation is, you know, that little clue that she dropped in that conversation. When I look back on that, I could really see I should have explored that more. Not her family is a crime gang. <laughs> Understandable. Um, no, I mean it makes sense, and it's, it's just, just out of the norm. It was one of those t- like for you. Sorry to interrupt. This is like out of the norm for you. Like, I mean, do you do you have a lot of this stuff in your life? Um, definitely a culture shock, um, because my family is very religious family, um, pretty straight edge as far as, you know, in my lifetime, not to say that my parents, I mean, they had their, their crazy moments when they were younger and stuff like that. Um, but as far as when, you know, me and my other siblings were growing up, they were really straight edge, you know, went to church every Sunday. We were at church forever every Sunday. Like we were the people who stayed until they basically closed the building, you know. So it was definitely a culture shock in that sense. Like I had known people whose families were like, like similar to that, but never something, you know, so close. It was not, uh, that was, that's not that something was you kind of invited into your life, so to speak, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I and mean, I knew people whose family life was really chaotic and crazy. Um, in that regard, but yeah, it was no, nothing but this, like, is straight up, this is straight up dangerous, right? I mean, there's, there's chaotic and crazy. Then there's like criminal and, and dangerous and, you know, potential violence. And, and, you know, this is like, this is like, this is not even cool outlaw stuff. Like, you know, he's a tax resistor, you know, this is just like kind of nasty, right? Yeah, no, um, yeah, <laughs> it was... It was definitely uh, poor judgment um, but, but, on my but, but, part. But why were you uh, judging alone, right? But, so, so sorry to interrupt, man. So, so you've got you got a family, right? And your family is, is you know straight up. Uh, you you've got a dad who was in the navy. You've got church. You've got morals. You've got you know a a good family, as far as I understand it. So, did you talk to them about uh, the you know? crime gang with the aggressive vagina family i mean did they say yeah seems good we'd love to have them as in-laws like what happened with with your family and their relationship to your girlfriend um i mean honestly there wasn't like there wasn't a lot of pushback and the funny thing was i mean when they actually met her she was very forthcoming with you know her family problems in that sense, kind of like the her what her brothers are doing and her parents and stuff like that, um, and their history. Um, but I mean, honestly, they, nobody had really said anything to me. Um, the only person that uh, really gave me any sort of pushback when it came to her 
was my older sister, but at the time she was living um, on the East Coast. And um, I don't remember what it was, but we weren't really talking um, very often. So, you know, the most reliable uh, fail safe in my life was, you know, not not being utilized uh, by, you know, communicating with her. So everybody else, I mean, I feel like they had something to say, but they just didn't say it to me. There was one night my dad did, you know, we were sitting down talking about it. And, you know, I was like, dad, you know, I, it was <laughs> honestly, it was like tantamount to the 16 year old girl and any, you know, any high school flick where she's like, dad, but I love him. You know, it was kind of that conversation, but flip side. Um, oh, but and so he's you, like, you said right. dad, but I love her, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty much how that conversation went. And he kind of just looked at me and he's like, all right. Uh, cause since the point I graduated, we had, you know, he sat me down we had a conversation man to man. And he was like, you know, he's like, look, you're a man now. It's like, that means, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure things out for yourself. I'm always going to be here to, you know, help you and I'll give you advice, but I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Well, I know. I, like I get that. I get that. But I mean, I'm, yeah. Help me, man, because I'm not I'm not clicking something here. Like I'm just not. Because listen, if you were my son and you're like, yeah, this this woman from a crime family jumped my bones and and really really wants to date me, I'd be like, you know, sorry, son, I'm gonna have to gently remove your penis. Don't worry, I'll put it on ice. I'll I'll cryogenically freeze it and I will reattach you when the blood flow starts to hit your fucking brain again. You know, because this is a this is an absolutely terrible idea. Uh, and and listen, I, I you know I can't order you around. I'm not your I'm not your commanding officer. I'm not your your you know you're not a kid anymore. But I can tell you this: like I'd slap you on the head with a wet fish if I thought it would help you get out of this crazy days of like yeah let's let's go join the Cram family and and wed their family to ours. And wouldn't it be great if we got those genetics in our kids? And wouldn't it be great if we had these people over all the time doing drugs and having like cops chase them and shit right i mean it'd be like i am not going to support this you know like you can't do this uh, and and if you do do this you're going to do it completely without me because i can't watch you put your heart through this kind of blender yeah and i would agree with you and like i said if it, if it was you know me with my child i would definitely be on the more aggressive side of you know like hey yeah i'm not in the business of telling you how to live your life but you might want to double check this one before you uh so why not, do anything why, with not? It. Was, why didn't that happen help me understand man you know what i i really don't know i i really don't know and we you know the funny thing is was after we got married and stuff and we had come we you know we would visit when we could and everything we joked about the fact that nobody said anything about how quickly all of this happened it was like you guys we joked with them we was like you guys just let us do this and nobody said anything nobody on her side nobody on my side is kind of just like oh okay well this is happening tell us when to show up to the wedding <sighs> and you know we we joked about it <laughs> with you know with all of our family and because you said like, that her oh, mom yeah, ha, ha, was like ha. was like dangerous and manipulative, and isn't that exactly what's most concerning you about your wife at the moment? Yes, um, and it's actually funny because um, my biological mother, who I don't have a you know, relationship with um, right now, uh, is kind of she shares a lot of similarities. Uh, my wife and uh, well, soon to be ex-wife and my mother, um, which is part partly why I don't talk to my biological mother anymore is because, you know, I just got tired of dealing with her, um, you know, being manipulative and being, you know, kind of 
emotionally abusive and all that other stuff. So, which is funny is now I'm, you know, getting divorced with a person who is just like my biological mother. Um, Again, the you're, not the, true. you're, you're not the first man in history to tell that story. <laughs> And I'm really sorry yeah, about this. So, what 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 was the case? Uh, sorry, what was the case with your mom? Your parents are still together, is that right? No. Um, oh, I'm sorry, because you're sorry to interrupt, but you said yeah. you grew up in a split home. I wasn't sure if that was to do with the fact that your dad was just gone all the time, or whether that was actual divorce. Sorry if I missed that. No, no, no. You're fine. Um, yeah, he did get divorced when I was um, young. Uh, I was. It was. I know they got remarried or he got remarried when I was three. Um, so it all happened, you know, when I was super young and my stepmom was in the picture, you know, when I was about like three or four. Um, so I've lived with him all my life. If that puts it in perspective of what kind of person my biological mother is. Um, oh, sorry. We, I mean, how how was your stepmom? Did your dad like trade up to someone more sane or how did that go? Um, Yes and no. Um, I I had a realization when actually it was a funny story. I was listening to another one of um, your one-on-one interviews, the How to Kill Self-Hatred. Um, and I had this big epiphany. And after I got done listening to that, I called my sister. And I, I had, had this long conversation with her because, you know, my siblings, especially my older and younger sister, you know, have everything to say about my parents, you know, and I was always the one who was like, hey, you know, guys, like, let's let like, I understand they're not perfect, but like, be appreciative uh, or appreciate the fact that, you know, our life was pretty good. They gave us a lot, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it could have been worse, um, this, that, and the other thing. And then after listening to that, I had the epiphany because you had mentioned to that young woman in there, um, kind of sweeping the misdeeds of those people under the rug because you are in an effort to, you know, be grateful and have gratitude for what you had. Um, and that was kind of the situation with them, um, where I kind of idolized, them and overlooked all their mistakes because I realized my life could have been worse, especially if I ended up with my biological mother. Um, so, you know, you know, it, again, I'm sorry, just, step- just for those who don't know, like, so the idea is, you know, it's fine to be happy you dodged a bullet, but at some point you have to wonder why the hell you were in the line of fire to begin with, right? Exactly. Um, Exactly. That's exactly true. And when I listened to that, it kind of it rocked my world. And I called my sister. I was like, hey, I feel like I need to apologize. You know, I kind of been lionizing our parents and not really being realistic about the situation, you know, and, it, and there's a balance to it. I mean, you can't appreciate what they the good and but you can also criticize the bad. And that was something I was I had realized during that because, you know, with my stepmom, um, you know, I do appreciate the fact is like she didn't have to. She didn't have to marry my dad. She didn't have to step into the situation with two kids who aren't even her own, you know, and raise us and deal with all of that and deal with my, you know, my bio- biological mother and all the harassment that was coming from her end. And she didn't have to do all that, you know. And <clears throat> so that's what I was trying to be grateful about. But then again, my stepmother, and she's starting to realize this now, um, she's a bit of a narcissist. Um, and that really, like, played... Uh, a role in our development especially like when we were younger i she kind of labeled us based on just some surface level traits 
And my sister was a little bit more outgoing than I was, not by much, but, you know, just enough. And she got, you know, she got labeled as the extrovert and got the attention as an extroverted person. And I got labeled an introvert and got treated as an introverted person. And, you know, over these last probably two years, I'm just starting to realize that that's not who I am as a person. Um, I'm not really an introvert. I have introverted tendencies. I do enjoy my alone time. I do enjoy, you know, not being around people, but I don't like to sit at the house all day. I like to get out, go meet people, go do things, you know. And but when I was growing up, you know, I got treated like I was an introvert. I uh, lived in the the basement of the house for a while, and I pretty much got left to my own, you know, my own vices. I stayed in my room all the time. I would go to work or go to school, and just come back and be in my room, and you know, nobody would come down there and and interact with me or call me up or just to, you know, do something. I pretty much just stayed in there until dinner was ready, went up, ate dinner, and then went back in my room. Um, so that was a part of that stuff, just doing, you know, because my stepmom, she thought she knew, you know, um, who we were. And I don't think she really wanted to, not necessarily wanted to take the time to know who we were or figure out who we were, but I think she just, you know, thought that she knew and just went with that instead of, you know, listening and paying attention and all that other fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, it's easy to think that you're an introvert if you just don't like the people who are around you because you, you just, you're avoiding them. You're not avoiding people as a whole. You're just not getting along with the people around you. So you end up spending a lot of time in your room. And of course, a functional family would say, gosh, you know, why are you spending so much time in your room? Let's figure out what's not working for you in the social situation so that you can enjoy the family time together more. But dysfunctional families just label you an introvert and, and don't look in the mirror and say, what are we doing? Right. Exactly. Yeah. There was, you know, there was a lot of that. And, um, I was, you know, growing up, I mean, I was kind of, I, I've never really had any sort of self confidence. Um, at all. <laughs> Even to this day, I'm still, still something I'm trying to work on. So it wasn't really, you know, I would, when it came to those situations, like socially and stuff like that, I wasn't, you know, the person out there is just, you know, trying to, you know, trying to meet everybody, talk to everybody and do all that stuff, you know? So I struggled with, you know, being outgoing and stuff like that. And, and something that kind of, I mean, when I was a kid, I fell into, you know, video games and especially when the, you know, the internet became more of a, uh, more of a thing and online gaming and online, you know, everything. And that's something I fell into, you know, just because of being lonely and I was homeschooled for a little bit. So I didn't really have much of a social life. So I fell hardcore into being online, being in all a right, video right. games hang and on, all hang that on. stuff. Sorry. Yeah, I can't have you dissing the whole homeschooling thing because there's nothing wrong with homeschooling kids' social <laughs> life. This, the, the homeschooling, the, the, the social life stuff was an issue with your family. The homeschooling, I guess you could say, well, it you know, didn't allow me to have access to as many other kids. But just most homeschool kids have perfectly great socializations and, in fact, better than they would if they're dumped in school. So I'm sorry, just, I just, that's just my own particular fetish. So, uh, you yeah, know, just continue on with your story. I just wanted to, to, to break for that little no, under, announcement. Under, yeah, understandable. Um, my qualms of homeschooling, I mean, are a little different having experienced it. And just the, just the quality of it, I think that plays into it as well. Um, and it not being something I wanted to do it was kind of something I got forced into doing, you know. And uh, so yeah, I kind of have, you know, a negative bias of, of homeschooling. I understand the utility and especially with how the school systems are going these days. 
I would probably advocate for it. Um, but you know, it's just, I had a bad experience with it. I understand that it's not, you know, no, not hashtag, not all homeschoolers. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, okay. So listen, man, so, yeah, I want, I I want to make that. sure, I want to make sure that we get to the, I mean, it's a great conversation. I'm really, really enjoying it, but I just, just want to make sure we get to the core of the matter, which is currently what's going on with your ex. So do you mind if we do a little cassette tape squeal, fast forward and just get to what's going on with your ex at the moment and we'll then yes, we'll sort of yeah. we'll see no, how this yeah. stuff ties in and i really really appreciate the backstory but i want to make sure we get to that okay no that makes sense um yeah so basically how things are going on now um <clears throat> so about i want to say seven i think six or seven months ago well even earlier than that you know she was kind of being more open about having you know just not being sure of us and all this stuff, you know, just kind of having some doubts about our relationship and stuff. And I mean, to be honest, it's nothing new. And when we were in California, um, she, you know, when things were going bad, she would, I mean, she probably threatened to divorce me like six or seven times, uh, collectively. Um, so, I mean, this wasn't new, but just the way she was presenting this conversation and now, what her you know, it seemed like it Sorry. was actually something what, what were her complaints in California? Um, you know, just like, he said, honestly, at this point, like, I'm not even sure if, if it's reality just based on just how things are going now. Um, but she would just say, like, I don't treat her right. You know, I don't, I don't. You know, I'm not emotionally supporting her, you know. Um, <laughs> that that usually I'm, means just blindly I'm, agreeing, right? Yeah, basically. Um, because I'm the type of person, like, if somebody is going to tell me something, um, especially, like, if it's a situation that involves two people and I'm getting the story from one side, I don't accept it wholesale. I need the other side of the story before I can make a judgment on it. And that's something that really irritated her because she just wanted blind support. You know, she just wanted to be like, oh, yeah, you're right about the situation. But it's like, I'm not that person. I can't. I'm, I, it doesn't sit well with me if I have one side of the story. You know, I need I have a curiosity. I need to know the other side. I need to know the other perspective um, before I can actually make a judgment on it. So that was I if I had to take a guess on where. Yeah, that was coming from. It was probably that. Um, so yeah, just, just just stuff like that. Like, you know, and she's like, things are bad or whatever. And I would tell her when we get into these arguments, I'd be like, look, if things are as truly as bad as you believe they are, then you should probably leave. You know, if that is a reality, if actually that is the reality, you should probably leave because you're not doing yourself a favor. You're not doing me a favor. If I'm really treating you as bad as you think I am then it sounds like your option is to leave, you know, for yourself and for, you know, just for your own well-being in the hopes that she would realize how ridiculous she's being, you know, that things aren't as bad as she thinks they are just because they're not good doesn't mean it's catastrophic. You know, I've never, never put my hands on her or anything. Actually, it was quite the contrary. She was very physically abusive um, for a while while we were out there in California, which is another wait, red flag. Wait, what now? Um, so wait, just, uh, tell me, tell me, tell me about this. Um, she was, yeah, she was pretty physically abusive. Um, you know, she would hit me when she got mad. Uh, she'd throw stuff at me. Um, there was one night, I remember we really got into it and I couldn't, it's, for life of me, I couldn't even tell you what the conversation was about. Um, uh, I had, you know, we just got into about something, 
stupid probably and then it just escalated and then you know when we get into these arguments i would just get to the point to where you know when i'm not being when i feel like i'm not being listened to i shut down and i stop caring and that would really yeah that's piss why, her I'm, that's off why i'm trying she, not to interrupt yeah, you man i'm really trying i'm just kidding no <laughs> just you're kidding. fine i'm just no, kidding <laughs> so far you're actually showing some interest so you know it's a little bit different <laughs> but um no she would you know and but she would also know what to say to shut me up. So she'd do it on purpose and then get pissed when I wouldn't react because I'm just like, I'm done with this conversation. I don't want to talk about it. Like, leave me alone. You know, there's no point in having this conversation. And she would get mad because she wants a reaction. She wants to fight. And then she just, you know, she just went ballistic. She threw a candle at me, like not even, not even a small candle. I'm talking about bed, bath and beyond like three wick candle, you know, one of the big ones at me and then she was threatening to break our tv and my xbox and all this other stuff and i was just like dude i was like don't like leave my stuff alone like and then it got to the point where it's like look i don't i don't care anymore do what you want i'm going to bed i have to work tomorrow you know i'm still in the military i got to get up at zero dark stupid i got to sleep you know if you want to keep staying up and throwing your tantrum that's fine that's that has nothing to do with me um so i was just like you know leave me alone and that's when she turned it up a notch. And as I go upstairs to, you know, the room, she came up there yelling at me still. She wouldn't like I turned the light off. She came in there, turned the light on like, oh, you're not going to sleep, you know, because I'm mad type stuff. And um, so, you know, I was like, OK, then I'll just go downstairs. So I went downstairs, followed me downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs. So I finally went upstairs and I locked the door. And I was like, leave me alone, you know, and she was banging, beating on the doors and managed to, you know, bang the door down impressively enough and i was like okay well this isn't gonna work <clears throat> so upstairs Wait, she, downstairs she came again. through a locked door yeah they, i mean what is she some kind of sherman house. tank ninja like that's not an easy thing to do <laughs> it actually is pretty easy because their doors were messed up and the uh. and the place to begin with the frame was terrible and the lock was you know it was it was it was garbage so you still, know if you hit it in the right still, angle, especially around the lock that's that's this no, like a scene in a horror movie now this is like uh, this is like Jack Nicholson leering through the shining door, you know. Here's Johnny. I was just thinking that. Um, Here's and then wifey. It, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better because then I go up there. Yeah. Like all the seagulls of horror movies are flying through your brain, right? Jesus. Exactly. And I was, you know, I'm just getting at this point because I'm just like, I, I'm just like, I just want to go to sleep. So go back, you know, go back downstairs, she follows me, go upstairs, and I managed to get up there quicker than her this time. So I shut the door, and I barricaded it. I was like, okay, get through that. Good God. And she's banging on the door, you know, she's screaming, and then she starts crying, and she's like, you know. So then I go out there, and I was like, dude, like, what is the problem? Like, are you actually going to talk, or can I just go to bed? Because you're going to keep doing this. Like, I'm not doing this, you know. And... uh <laughs> She was, you know, and then we kind of talked for a little bit, and then I ended up opening the door. I was like, okay, I was like, I will, I will unbarricade this door if you just leave me alone. Like, if you just leave me alone, I will unlock the door. I will keep it open, whatever. Just like leave me alone. She's like, okay, yeah, that that, you know, that wasn't gonna, <laughs> that wasn't her plan. So I unlock the door, and she goes downstairs. And like five minutes later, she comes back upstairs, and I'm just sitting there, you know. At this point, I'm on on I'm on DefCon one, you know. I'm just like, okay, like I don't believe that. She probably got something else up her sleeve. She comes back upstairs with a kitchen knife and is just standing next to the side of the bed looking at me. And I told her, I was like, look, if you are I, planning on I, doing I feel what we've I escalated do, things just a little bit, honey. Kitchen knife yes, by your that, bed. 
<laughs> I told her, I was like, look, if I, if I, if you are going to do what I think you're going to do, then you better do it right the first time because you are not getting a second chance. And I was like, I'm just going to leave it on that. So you might want to do something or you might want to leave. You better figure it out now. And so I laid down and I was just looking at her, you know, because my training, I, you know, got military training. Everything it's, it's I know. It's not going to be a very equal kick. contest. Yeah, no, I get that. It's not going to be And I weighed, you know, I weighed more than her at the time. I still do. It's, you know, you're, you're, it's, yeah, it's just not going to be pretty for her. Um, and then I don't remember what happened, but she ended up calming down and everything like that. So that was huge red flag situation with her anger issues. Now, this um, is before your child was born, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and how long uh, had you been married at this point? I was about, I'll say maybe like a year, year and a half, probably somewhere in that time frame. And, and during the time, like before you get married, did, did anything, I don't want to say like this, because I mean, that, that would be nuts, but I mean, in, in this direction or, or this kind of escalation or invasiveness or like. I noticed um, just her getting a, you know, angry, more angry about situations than, you know, than it would normally be expected. Like she would blow things out of proportion, get very angry, you know, be kind of verbally abusive um, in and this that before regard. You got you know, married, right? Anything, it, um, not so much as I mean, it was like, we only argued maybe like, you know, maybe two or three times before, um, before we started dating. And then when we started dating, when I was on deployment, we argued all the time and, you know, just kept escalating, escalating. She would just get angrier and angrier, you know, and cause oh, I'm you not said doing she was things the way she abusive, wants it. So what would she say to you that would, that would fall in that category? Um, she would compare me to her ex, uh, who was physically abusive, which I'd never laid a hand on her. Um, she would compare me to her dad, which, you know, he was not a very good guy. Um, so she knew how to, you know, she knew how to hit me where it hurts because I, it, not that I really care what other people think of me, but if it's somebody that I actually care about, their opinion matters. Um, so, you know, and especially her, because at the time and, you know, it's like, I love you and I want to be with you. And if you think if you really think I'm like that person, even though I've done everything to the contrary, like that really hurts my feelings. So just stuff like that, um, you know, just kind of under undermine me and berate me and stuff like that. Like, oh, you, you know, you don't do enough or, you know, just like you don't you know, you don't care about me. You don't love me type stuff. And just, you know, just this is stupid, typical angry woman let me get underneath your skin and hurt your feelings um so i mean that was and i was you know still dealing with uh i mean still am dealing with self-confidence issues and stuff like that so it's just you know it just hurt even more because i don't really have much of a uh buffer in that regard to kind of withstand those fiery arrows so, and listen, yeah. and I'm, 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 listen, I'm really, really sorry. That, that's a, that's a terrifying thing to go through. And did you share at the time with anyone how she was treating you, like before you got married? Um, I would. I had a, um, a few friends of mine I would talk to about it and just be like, hey, one of my good friends, uh, Casey, he would, you know, he was really good about making sure that he would point out where I was being you know where i went wrong on situations 
as well. No, but, no, but did anyone uh, say like, like r- r- run crime family girl is is not going to be a fun marriage? Like, did anyone say this is like you can't accept this? It's not a. It's not. The only person really who said that was my sister, my older sister. Um, and they had a little, they got into it, you know, uh, a few days before the wedding. And I had to go on, you know, I had to put out the fires and that with that situation. But the funny thing is that what my sister saying was said about her wasn't 100% wrong. But I was like, your delivery was terrible. And it's making this more of an issue than it actually needs to be. Um, so, and then it was partly because, you know, you know, my ex-wife has a lot of insecurities and whatever. And if anybody's coming at her, she doesn't like hearing the truth and she doesn't like, she's a narcissist. She doesn't think she is ever part of the problem or the problem. She thinks it's everybody else. Um, so if somebody comes well, at her I mean, telling her, listen, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but to be fair, you, you didn't like hearing the truth either. Right, that that your sister was telling you while you were dating this woman, right? I mean, I'm not putting not... you in the same category. Like you're not standing over your sister with a knife, and you're not beating down the door and screaming at and, and abuse. I'm not putting you in the same category. But as far as a willingness to listen to the truth, right? I mean, there was at least one person in your life I mean, who tried to wake you up. To yeah, this, I mean, right? up, but up until but up until we were getting married, me and my sister weren't really in in communication. You know. Um, so like I said, at the time there wasn't really anybody saying anything. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, then my sister, we didn't really start speaking, um, consistently until like right around before I was getting married. And then, you know, she didn't really know a lot about on a slippery slope there and, and putting the brakes on. It's like, it's one thing when, before you start the bobsled run to like jump out of the bobsled, it's quite another thing when you're like halfway down and it's like death loot, right? Yeah, exactly. It was just like, it was like, um, yeah, it's like, you know, at that point, and it was a problem that I have personally is I will go out of my way to, you know, defend somebody. Um, even if what people are saying is true, I will still, you know, try to look for the good in people. And it's a blessing well, and a curse. You, you're a soldier and, and all soldiers to some degree or another. And it's not a criticism. I think it's a wonderful aspect, but soldiers do have a bit of a salvation complex right which is we're going to go out there and save the world we're going to fix iraq we're going to fix afghanistan we're going to make it into a jeffersonian democracy like there is a kind of salvation complex to a lot of military men and i guess some women too but uh so it's not it's not shocking i mean and it's one thing if you're in a situation where you're a soldier but of course it doesn't really work in personal relationships right yeah yeah, I mean, exactly. So, you know, and it, and it's, it's, it's bit me in the ass a few times, um, you know, being wrong about people or just, you know, like what's my biological mother. I used to always be in her corner and defend her, you know, when it came to my family, just, you know, they were tell- talking about her, you know, in a negative light, all true things. And I'd be like, wait, you know, Hey guys, let's let, you know, she's not all bad, you know, she's just not perfect and this, that, and the other thing. And then it took a very long time for me to, you know, come to the truth and be like, you know, it's just like, you're just not a good person. You're not somebody I can continue to have in my life and stuff like that. And this kind of similar situation with, um, with my ex wife is it's, you know, the signs were there <laughs> and I wanted to not be necessarily be wrong. 
um, yeah. in that situation, you know, and there was, you know, there's not, it's not like it's all bad and there's some good qualities to her, but you know, there's a lot more bad qualities and I was trying to hold on to those good qualities. Um, so, but she also I mean, was able to, re- she was able to restrain, you know, this is one of the, 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 the women who are they're sometimes called chameleons, right? In other words, they're able to bite back the crazy demons of their deepest nature until such time as you're locked in. Right. And then it's like, whoo, you know, like when you got hold, hold of crap, you know, like everyone's nightmare is on a plane. The plane's coming in for a landing and you just got to take a dump. And it's like you can't get out of your chair. And it's like, well, uh, I guess I'm about to make my chair a little taller. And and so you can hold exactly. it in. Right. You can hold it in. But then at some point, like, sorry, you know, it just is not going to happen. Right. And it's the same thing like with, yeah. with crazy people. They can kind of bite it down and they can kind of chew it back for a while. But almost that like builds up the pressure. And then it's like damn bust all over you. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's kind of what had happened um, where it was definitely a situation where, you know, she wore a good mask and it didn't slip often. And, and, you know, I wanted to believe that she was a better person than she actually is. Um, and just how things have been going since, you know, this divorce has been crawling along, I guess. Like I said, this has been dragging on for about seven months when it start, you know, started with her being like, Oh, you know, I'm not sure about a relationship. I'm not sure, you know, and I've, every time we've had issues, I'm like, Hey, we should probably get counseling. You know, we should go talk to somebody. Right. We should do this. We should do that. And she is the type of person who loves to pull, loves to, um, point out a problem, but does not want to be a part of the solution or does not want to have a solution. Yeah. No ownership, no self responsibility. Right. Exactly. It was just like you, um, you know, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. And I'll be like, okay. um, But she, I mean, she grew uh, up with a drug using dad, right? And drug using brother. So she wouldn't have had modeled any personal responsibility or ownership because it's like addicts don't take ownership. That's one of the reasons why they're addicts, as far as I understand it. I mean, her mom was part of that as well. Um, I'm sorry. Can you say that again? The whole family. I said her mom was a part of that as well. so it was kind of was it a drug user thing. as well. Yes. Yeah, and I'm um, listen. I'm going to go right out on a limb here and say, listen, if you're a parent and you're using drugs consistently, you're an addict because it's such an irresponsible thing to do as a parent that you you'd have to be addicted to continue to do it. Yeah, and there was I mean there was plenty of instances where they were doing drugs around the kids or they were leaving the kids with somebody else so they could go do drugs like that type of you know. It was definitely at attic level um, <laughs> stuff that they were participating in. Um, now, so listen, yeah, let, let I me mean, just, that makes- sorry, let me just bring something up. It, it, it may be irrelevant, it may not be irrelevant, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you know this, this web guy uh, does some pretty interesting videos, Tommy Sotomayor. Yes, I haven't uh, – I actually have not listened to his stuff in a very long time, but I, I used to, uh, to listen to a lot of, um, of his stuff on YouTube. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, the, the guy's got some balls, man. Like, he says stuff that if you were white, you'd simply explode, uh, even if you had those thoughts. So he's, he's a very interesting guy. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, look, I'm just going by your Skype yeah. avatar here that you're a fine-looking black man. And, and what's happening is, of course, if you married a black woman, there's some criticisms that Tommy Sotomayor has about black women, black wives, black moms. It's just floating around in my head a little bit, and I just wanted to declutter it so we could continue. Um, so what, did you marry uh, a black woman? Do you think there's anything cultural that may be part of that sort of trauma no, or, or uh, that escalation? 
no, I uh, actually married a white woman. Um, so not necessarily cultural, I guess, but I mean, cultural in the sense of <laughs> the cultures that her parents choose to participate in. I mean, they kind of hopped around from, you know, being devout Christians to being in party phases to, I think, at some point in time, if I'm to believe what my wife said, which I'm not conditioned to do at this point, but alluded to the fact that they were a part of her, her mom was a witch at some point. Um, Jesus, so, I feel like I've got a but, theme in the call-in shows lately. <laughs> I just did a call-in show. With a, and you're like, oh, my gosh, he called in. I'm going to hear this side. Wow. Wow. Yeah, okay. it, it's just one of those things. I don't know if I truly believe it because she does have a propensity to exaggerate things. Yeah. Um, so whether that is the actual truth of the matter, I don't know. Um, it is kind of believable having met her mom. Her mom is surface level a very nice person um but i could see where that could have potentially came from um, yeah and i'm, I'm also going to resist so, the urge to apologize on behalf of white people for some crazy white woman standing over your bed with a knife like i <laughs> I, I i know it's not my fault and you know there's some lovely nice white people out there uh out here i hope and i'm like i'm but i'm still sorry i like it yeah, no matter the race like i'm I mean, sorry that's a terrifying terrifying thing to be going on with I mean, I know you feel like you can't say it, but let's be honest. If it was a black or a Latina woman, they would have just done it and not there would have been no conversation about it. <laughs> See, I, I mean, <laughs> you, you can say that, brother, and I'm, you know, I, 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 I officially can have no opinion on this or any other subject involving black or Latina women. So, uh, but uh, all right. Okay. So, so how did things, how did things really begin to, you know, go into the, like, when did the marriage hit the, you know, the Fargo wood chipper, so to speak? Um, so it was, yeah, like I said, about six or seven months ago, you know, we were having that talk and, you know, I was like, okay, you know, um, well, is there anything I can do? You know, is, is counseling something you want to try? I think maybe we should get counseling, you know, then there was a resistance as usual to counseling. And she's like, I just need a, you know, I just need, uh, you know, this, that, the other thing, basically, like, you know, at some point she alluded to needing space. And I was like, okay, how can we orchestrate that? You know, because we live in the same apartment. Now, now you see, if the marriage is, if the marriage is going really bad and the woman says, I need space, if the first thing you think of is like an airlock on uh, on a spaceship, then that's, that's not a good sign. <laughs> not a good sign. But at this point, yeah. you were still hoping to save things, right? At this point, you're still saying, let's do some counseling. Let's see if, because you got a kid too, right? And, and you got those responsibilities. Yes. Yes, okay, so she's like, she's, do you know if she was uh, looking out or stepping out at all? Um, so funny you mentioned that because, I mean, as things continue to progress with uh, this divorce, um, evidence came to light that as of right now, she is in communications with another guy. Um, <clears throat> so, and which is funny because we had actually had a really lengthy conversation about how we would not be doing that um you know we would i would i was telling her it's like look you know even with the situation going on and that you're wanting to get this divorce or whatever it's like if i'm going to pursue another relationship it's going to be well after the fact that pay, everything you know is is finalized paperwork and all that stuff and even then i feel like i need some time outside of a relationship to work on myself so relationships not something i'm even you know that's in my that that's in <clears throat> my sights right now, even, you know, with everything going on and even afterwards, like I need some time to work on myself. I have a lot of issues that I need to work on. Um, right. and I don't want to drag, 
you know, I don't want to drag my daughter into that mess, um, you know, because that's that's a whole another sticky situation. Yeah, and and how is your um, daughter doing, doing with with all of this? I mean, I know it's she's still young, and it can be a little tough to tell. But but how do you have a sense of how she's doing with all this mess? I I I can tell it is it is you know she knows something's going on. I mean, at this point in time, she does not live with me. Um, my wife has moved out, um, staying with a her our daughter's godparents and stuff like that. Um, so and I see her on the weekends as, as things stand right now. And then coming up in these next few weeks, we're going to be start rotating one week on and then one week off with her. Um, but sorry, but I can w- tell. Was there, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so, no, I'm so sorry. I, I, it was a t- ter- terrible time to interrupt. Please finish your thought. I'll hold mine. No, you're fine. Um, so, you know, coming up there, we're going to be doing all that. Um, but I can tell, you know, that it, she can tell that there's something not right. You know, she doesn't see me as much as she used to. And um, when she's over here, you know, she kind of is upset at the beginning, you know, asking for mom and all that stuff. And then she'll settle in and be fine. Um, but I can tell, you know, it does. There's a huge change going on in her life. And I can tell that it's starting to bother her. But I know she's young and it's not really going to, at, at least at this portion of it, it's not really going to, um, hopefully make any long-term effects, but, you know, putting my own personal experience with just my parents being divorced, it, you know, it was a burden on me. It's been a burden on me for my entire life. So that's something I was trying to avoid for her. Well, um, and it's, it's, it's but, obviously tragic and, and a bit of a cycle, right? That you're splitting up with your wife about the same time as your biological parents split up, like as far as your daughter's age goes, right? Like two, three years old. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Exactly. Um, now, was there a, was so, there a yeah. moment where, like, for sure the marriage was done? Like, was that a fight or was it just a give up? Or, or how did it happen that it's, you know, like, that's it? Um, I mean, it was pretty much all on her side because the way I look at it, you know, um, marriage, as you know, is a it's a two, you know, it's a two man crew. You can't do it by yourself. And if the other person doesn't want to fix it, I can't, you know. I've suggested counseling. If I set up counseling, she's made it clear that she's not going to go. So, you know, I can't go to marriage counseling by myself. Um, so she, I mean, just decided she didn't, it wasn't worth uh, saving in her opinion. You know, it wasn't worth it. Um, it wasn't worth the worth. It wasn't worth the risk that she no, was. No, no, I get that. You know, but was looting. there, um, what I'm trying to understand, uh, David, is was there a particular moment where the thread just broke and it's like, well, that's it, broken? Um, I mean, not really, if I'm going to be completely honest, it was just kind of like a thing of, you know, well, I can't fix it by myself. So I had told her if I told her like, look, I know you're still kind of weighing your options and stuff like that, but if we're going to fix it, we're going to fix it, you know, full stop. If we're not going to fix it, then we're going to get this over with quickly, full stop. So, you know, it's just like if I if you're not going to help me fix it, then I want to be done with it quickly, you know, um, because I didn't want it to drag out, especially with my daughter and all that stuff. And just, you know, I was like, if it, it, it's if you don't want to be with me, that's fine. I don't want to be with somebody who does want to be with me, you know. Well, um, I mean, and especially listen, man, this this is not any criticism from me to you. But when manipulative people get an ultimatum, they really freak out. Because the whole point of the manipulation is to kind of grind you down to nothing, right? To have you just obey her. 
And then if you're like, hey, you know, if, if you know, because she says you're a bad guy so she can control you, right? And, of course, the man's logical response is, well, if I'm such a bad guy, you should not be here, right? But, see, that's not why she's saying you're a bad guy because you're not a bad guy from what I can tell, right? And so the reason she tells you that you're a bad guy is so she, she can break your spirit and she can just make you into, well, you know, this is this dysfunctional women 101, right? As they, they work like hell to break a man. If they don't break him, they're enraged. And if they do break him, they're disappointed. Like, you can't win. You can't win, right? Because if, if she yeah. did end up breaking you and you're like, okay, honey, you know, just walk along obeying and doing everything, she'd just end up having an affair because she's got no respect for you left, right? I mean, it's, it's just a terrible – you can't win. So when you logically say, oh, man, you know, if I'm such a terrible guy, if I'm like your dad, if I'm like your ex who was physically violent and so on, even though you're the violent one, then the logical thing to do would be to leave. That drives her crazy because that's kind of calling her bluff, right? And, and again, she's not telling you you're a bad guy because you're a bad guy. She's telling you you're a bad guy. So she can break any self-respect you have and gain control over you that way. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's put in part of this uh, realization period I've been going through for the last probably like couple months is just starting to reflect and, you know, view things in hindsight and be like, okay, this is where, you know, where I noticed this, this has been a trend of your manipulation, you know, and all that other stuff. And yeah, hindsight's 2020. I'm starting to <laughs> realize all this stuff. Um, I mean, a little too late. So but uh, it was the how thing. Long I ago, told sorry to interrupt. How long ago did she move out? Um, it's been about a month, um, okay. roughly. So, okay. and where where's she gone to uh, stay? Was, Does she have a place to go? Like where? Yeah, she is staying with um our with with our daughter's godparents. Um, okay. so she's she lives about like 20 minutes away from uh where i'm at where our apartment was so and that's i mean i don't enjoy this um and i you know i'd like to see my daughter um but i mean there's a there's a funny story behind that too um <laughs> uh, i bet you only one of us will be on. laughing but all right <laughs> yeah i'm laughing because you know it's a nervous response i guess um so just, I mean, not to keep diving back in the past, but this is kind of important to how I'm feeling uh, with the situation is uh, when we found out she was pregnant, um, the whole situation surrounding it was just really sketchy. And I've had this gut feeling for a very long time that my daughter not might not be mine. So when you mentioned the whole infidelity thing, um, you know, that's why I kind of chuckled about that. Okay, we just need that. to pause for me to say something. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, so, and the thing about my gut feelings is, you know, do I'm you not have a white baby? I mean, what are we talking here? No. Um, no, she's not a white baby. She's, I mean, she's mixed, okay, but, but it's just, just the situation surrounding the delivery of letting me know that she was pregnant was just really sketchy and it just didn't add up and it didn't make sense. And then when she was saying when she had quote unquote figured out when she conceived, it didn't add up because at that period of our relationship, I mean, we weren't really having sex a lot. So at that point in time, I would remember if we did. And when she was saying it was, wasn't really making sense. Um, and just based on the levels of just lies and stuff that she's been piling on lately, it's just making me really question a lot of stuff up until this point. Um, 
including that. And this is something I sat on and we actually did have a long conversation about it. And then she completely turned it into a situation like I'm the piece of shit for, you know, having feelings um, based on her actions. And like, how you she know, how dare you question the paternity that you mean that kind of stuff? Exactly. Like how, yeah. How do you question that? I've never cheated on you. Like, how could you even think that, you know? And I was like, well, based on how you were acting throughout the entire pregnancy, how you had told me you were pregnant, um, and all that stuff, it just, and then even post pregnancy, you know, after we had her, it was just like, like I said, it just felt like you got what you wanted and I'm no longer relevant. And you just treated me like shit, you know? before during and after well and, and and the lack of sexual activity during the time that you claimed you, like between you guys right yeah Man. yeah that was definitely something she was manipulative with it's like the it's um, like the worst I mean, it's one of the worst things that can happen and i i'm you know well do you have any confirmation or is it still uh, i mean what's happened to that? i like I said, with my gut feelings, uh, I've seldom been wrong in my life with him. So I think I've been kind of subconsciously putting off knowing. Um, because, I mean, just to be frank with you, if she's not my daughter, I really don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, I feel like I got nothing else. You oh, know? listen, that's, just, that's one, of the worst, one of the worst things that could you'd rather have, I'm yeah. sure, a, a, a dangerous disease diagnosis than, than find this out. It's like one of the most godforsaken yeah. things that can like, happen to a family, that can happen to a man, uh, and I'm I'm incredibly sorry for for this even being in your head. Yeah, I mean, that's monstrous. It's, yeah, this is kind of, you know, my daughter's the only thing really getting me through this at this point. So, you know, if it's all for not, then, <laughs> you know... It's not. It's not going to be a good situation. Um, so, are there any yeah, any, any the physical whole, traits yeah. or any behavioral traits that you think might lead you somewhere other than you as as the father? I, like I said, I'm just kind of relying off a gut feeling, mm -hmm. but I haven't been wrong before, and that's something that's you know, it's not like I oh I feel bad about the situation, and then it just turns out I was just you know being anxious about it. like I I'm. Like I'm not being facetious when I say I have not been wrong about a gut feeling, and that's what terrifies me the most about having this feeling about the situation. Because you know, I got a pretty solid track record. Um, you know, when it comes to just situations in my life, situations with friends, with people, um, it's just it's I you know I'm I'm batting a thousand at this point. So i've been putting it off i just need to do it at this point especially with how she's been acting lately it's just like and what can you what can I you do to... about that can you can you officially get a, a test uh yeah i mean i can um like right now honestly my best bet would probably just get get one you know off of uh off online um because the official ones that would hold up uh in like a court they're anywhere from like three to five hundred dollars and that's something i cannot afford right now um so just gonna have to low, you know, get something low budget. Uh, oh, let, let me let me let me tell you this, man. If 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 you want me to pay for it, I'll pay for it. If if you want the money, you just tell me, man. I I'm I'm here for you. If if this will help you, if if this will help resolve things, if this will give you leverage in court, just ask. I'll 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 pay. Don't 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 even think twice. You, you, <laughs> I can't let you do that, man. I can't let you no, do that. No, no, you can. You may choose not to, but I'm just telling you the offer is right here. 
and you absolutely can. Whether you want to or not, it's up to you, but I'm just, you know, don't have to decide right now, but but if you want to, just let me know. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm here for you, and this is a hugely important issue, and if your wife or soon-to-be ex is being manipulative and difficult, and this helps you with leverage and, and so on, uh, you know, please don't don't let three to five hundred bucks stand in your way if there's someone willing to help. And I am, so I just want to put that out there. You can let me know at some point, uh, but just just be aware. Uh, I'll I'll write the check. I'll okay. I'll sort it out for you. Okay. Yeah, we can we can we can talk yeah, about talk, that talk about later. And uh, I just want to mention that. Okay. So yeah. what's she doing? But, so with the go ahead. Oh, I was just saying tying into that. Um, so with the um, <clears throat> kind of the suspected infidelity i mean there's there's confirmation to a point that doesn't really necessarily prove anything but it's suspicious enough um just like you know when we started when it actually started being like okay we're well this is what we're doing you know we're getting divorced now and stuff like that she just started being um you know more uh i don't know not necessarily suspicious just like doing more things that are out of character for her normally um she you know she's always been somebody who's been wrapped up in her phone that's been a big point of conflict for us is you know we'd go on dates and especially when we we're in california and i didn't have a lot of time to actually do something that you know wasn't at the house when we would go down to palm springs or you know san diego and stuff like that she'd constantly be on her phone i'm just like look we don't get the opportunity to do this stuff very often like you can put down your phone for a minute because i know you're on your phone all day and so, you know, she's always been super wrapped up in her phone, but, um, you know, do you just know what stuff she's, she's doing on her phone. Just, uh, uh, do you know what she's doing on the phone? Um, as far as I know, on social media, <laughs> like Twitter, you know, Facebook, when she had it, Instagram, um, just always on, you know, some sort of social media. Um, Did you and I'm not a look huge at social media person. I... <laughs> I've never been that person and I will never be that person. Um, I'm the type of person that will give somebody the rope to hang themselves with. I'll trust you until I have a reason not to. Um, so I've never been that person. Um, I'm a hundred percent, you know, no, no, listen, I, I get all so of that. I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious. Like if you, you know, it, it may not be, you may not be that kind of person. Yeah. You might just pick up her phone cause it's somewhere you need to be. And, and you know, there's a notification like, you know, it doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be like in the no. old days when yeah. you used to have answering machines that played loudly in the room, right. You didn't have to be the kind of person who'd figure out her answering machines. Maybe it would just happen. Right. So it, you, you can get information yeah, I, without I, being that guy. I never, you know, I never went out of my way to, you know, look at her phone, but, um, with the, the recent situation, uh, I happened to be walking by her phone and I saw something on it that, you know, was like, okay, that's interesting. There was a, a few contacts that I didn't recognize in her phone, um, one of which actually ended up being the uh, the guy that she's talking to now. And actually, I, I need to <laughs> correct the, the statement on the record. It is confirmed because one of her friends confirmed it, um, that that was a situation going on. Um, and she had been like going out, um, which wasn't anything too weird because I'd always been encouraging her to go, you know, go out, do stuff, take a break from being around our daughter all day and stuff like that. Um, so she was going out more, um, but then she was not coming home. Um, and like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to stay the night at this friend's place. 
And I was just like, weird. And even my mom, when I talked to her, was like, I don't, she was like, I don't know if that's just a generational thing, but no, I never at Marriage, any point. Married women should not be having sleepovers. Girlfriends should not be having sleepovers. Sleepovers ended around exactly. the age of 13. Exactly. Um, and I understand if you go out and you have too much of a good time and you can't make it back, that's different. Um, you know, but then again, you're a parent and I, you know, when I go out, not that I, you know, I'm, go home, I'm and, a go, go home like, and have I, a good time with your husband for God's sakes. Yeah. I, I, you know, I go hard. Like I, you know, I'm not sitting there. Uh, I like, I will go hard when I go out, you know, I drink a lot and stuff like that, but I make it a point to always make it back regardless, you know? Um, so I've never once had to stay over at somebody's house. Um, because I got, you know, too messed up or whatever. Um, so that's what I talked it up to at the beginning, but you know, it was just weird, but it's just like, you know, what, am, what am I going to do about it? You know? Um, and then find out through, you know, uh, a friend of mine had taken some screenshots of her Twitter and noticed that a guy was like, you know, tweeting at her, you know, some stuff. And it was just like really sketchy. And I called her out for her. We got into a fight, but she was just like, you know, making a point of like, oh, well, you know, we're not together, so it doesn't matter. I was like, legally, we're still married, sweetheart, so it doesn't matter, you know, that in your opinion, the relationship is over, but we're still married, you know, right. like it's not it's not high school. This isn't boyfriend, girlfriend. You can just break up and then it's done. You know, you signed a paper. It's a little bit bigger than uh, than that. And, uh, so after that point, you know, finding out about it and then finding out how long it was going on, um, you know, I kind of cut her off, uh, from my stuff. I told her that she, I'm sorry you know, um, if I missed to, this, but, uh, how long had it been going on? Um, apparently, uh, I think like, a. at the time I found out about it, I think like maybe a month, hmm. um, from the sounds of it, from what the, the mutual friend had confirmed, um, because she ran off and told her friends that, you know, that I had found out and blew up on her about it. And then she had also, uh, lied to her friends and told her that this was some mutual decision that we had come up with. Um, and that we were both participating, which was never the case. Um, and then, uh, well, it's funny cause she's actually been lying to each of her friends on different levels based on who they know. Because another friend, um, when I asked her about the situation, wanted to flip the script on me and start, you know, saying a bunch of stuff like that. I had uh, she had heard that I had slept with a mutual friend of ours, um, which is demonstrably false, um, or had gone out with, which is also false. But she couldn't get her story straight. Um, so, and I know this friend does not know her other friends who she would be implicating in this. Because those friends would not do that, you know, because they're <laughs> friends right, so with my listen, wife. I, 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 and we, we've been chatting for an hour and a half and joined the conversation, but I just really do want to make sure that we get to how I can best help you. How, how do you think I can I guess, best help you at yeah, this point? Um, yeah, sorry for rambling. No, on no, so no, much. it's totally um, fine. I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm happy to hear. Honestly, this is not a chore. This is, this is what I live for. So, uh, I'm, I, but I just really want to make sure that we get to, to, what helps you? Though? Yeah, no, no, I get it. Um, so yeah, I guess like I said earlier, um, just with maintaining the high road because it's just been really difficult. You know, I'm trying to 
still support her, um, take care of her. She, you know, had lost her job that she had had like a really good setup and she's just now getting another job and I'm having, you know, and I'm, I've been spotting her on stuff, uh, financially, but you know, the other day I'd end up having a really long conversation slash argument with her about, you know, something dumb. Uh, my daughter coming to see me tomorrow or uh, yesterday. And it just turned into this whole big ordeal. And even after all that, I gave her some money for gas because she didn't have any gas to make it through uh, the weekend into her job on Monday. And it's like after all that, she couldn't even say thank you. And it's just like I'm just getting so worn out from, you know, taking the high road, being nice, being civil, you know, trying to help her out. But it's like just I don't know how to justify. um, uh, I don't know how to justify, you know, not doing it. You know, I can't justify to myself. I can't justify like cutting her off completely. I can't justify not supporting her. I can't justify that to myself. And it's like in a sick and twisted because I know it's it's like I'm doing this stuff for somebody who doesn't care, you know, about me or my well-being or, you know, could not be bothered about how I'm doing, what I'm doing, you know, has not offered to help me pay her bills or you know, pay for the car that she has or any of that stuff. She hasn't gone out of her way to do that has. And I even confirmed that she had no intentions of paying me back for any of that stuff. So it's just like how, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't know how to kind of put that nail in the coffin uh, and just be done with it altogether. Because my, another worry I have is, you know, is that going to come back and bite me in the ass? You know, yeah, if you keep giving like, her resources, I, um, then she gets a lifestyle to which she has become accustomed, right? And is she going to well, be able to then ding you legally like, for all that stuff? Saying, listen, this is what he's been doing, so he should continue. It, that and also not doing it. Like, is that going to bite me in the ass? Legally Okay, speaking, listen, so you know, l- like, oh. listen, you, you know, I mean, obviously I'm no lawyer, and, and so I don't know the answer to that from a legal standpoint, and you should talk to a lawyer about that, which I know is a, a hell of a thing to do, but, but that's... So I can only tell you um, what my opinions are mm-hmm. in terms of managing this kind of personality structure, because, and, mm-hmm. and you know, whether... You know, I mean, if your daughter's not your daughter, that's, you know, let, let's talk about that another time, you know, if, if you find that out. But but uh, assuming at the moment that you're going to continue to co-parent with this woman, the question is, how do you set boundaries with crazy people? Well, crazy people or people without boundaries, narcissistic people, dysfunctional people, whatever, let's just call them crazy people, although it's not crazy because it's very calculated. But, yeah. you know, they're not going to be nice to you because they have any sense of honor or any sense of altruism or reciprocal virtue or they're not going to do it for that reason at all in any way shape or form and yeah she's not going to appreciate your niceness she's going to view it as a weakness she can exploit i mean again you tell you know her better than i do obviously so please tell me where i go astray yeah but this is what i would see Oh, this is what I am saying, of course, from the outside. So then the question is, how do you get reasonable behavior from crazy people? Well, unfortunately, uh, if people won't do it out of virtue and respect, they'll have to do it out of consequences, right? They just have to do it. I wouldn't say fear necessarily because you obviously don't want to threaten her, but just, just consequences, right? If you behave badly, I will make your life more difficult, right? That's the only way that you can get better behavior out of nasty people. They don't respect virtue they don't respect other people they certainly don't respect themselves and they're just these empty calculation machines so all they do is they run like a spreadsheet they just run calculations of will this benefit me or not oh did i just lose you 
Oh, uh, yeah. We're uh, back. Am I back? Yeah, yeah. So I was just saying that, uh, that they're kind of like big spreadsheets, right? The big calculation machines. And all they do is they're constantly looking at everything around them and they're saying, will this benefit me more or will this benefit me more? So they'll be nice if it will benefit them. And like she was nicer before you got married and then she was nicer still before you had a, a kid and all that. And so they just, all they're doing is calculating stuff, right? Benefit to me, yeah. non-benefit to me. And if niceness benefits you, then they will manipulate you into being nice or threaten you into being nice, uh, or they'll rely on it without having to do anything, right? And so yeah. the question is, the only way to get more reasonable behavior from unreasonable people is to be part of the calculation that says, okay, if I'm not more reasonable to this guy, he's going to make my life more difficult. And that's the only way you will ever get, in my experience and opinion, you will ever get even remotely positive behavior from dysfunctional people. You have to be difficult. You have to be, you have to train them kind of like a, like a dog, right? Insofar as, you know, if yeah. the dog does well, the dog gets a treat. And if the dog does badly, the dog gets a rolled up newspaper. I mean, I don't know if that's how you train dogs. It probably isn't, but you can't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> positive, kind, like a stick and a carrot. And like, you understand this, you, you're an army guy, right? So you know how this kind of stuff works, right? And so you Very have to throw it. Yeah, you have to throw aside questions of honor and niceness and helpfulness and loving. And we, we were together and we have a baby together. That's all sentimental shit that's going to just have you disemboweled, right, by, by this kind of person. You have to put all of that stuff aside. You have to save it for somebody who's worthy of it in the future. And you just have mm -hmm. to be very, very strict. And you have to be very firm with her. Because she's not, again, she's not going to respond to honor or virtue or kindness or decency with anything other than, woohoo, free stuff, right? And so if yeah. you want reasonable behavior, you have to train her like a wild animal into treating you better. And that means positive rewards for good behavior and negative rewards for bad behavior. And negative reports, I'm not talking yelling or, 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 or punishing or anything like that. But, you know, if, if you're nice, okay, great, I'll give you some gas money. If you're not nice, hey, no gas money. Right, And she'll have to deal with this, this temper and this anger because she's going to try and smash the calculation to get what she wants. Because if you're changing your behavior and she's, she's act like she's she, – why has she divorced you? She's divorced you because she's certain she can get your stuff anyway. She's certain that she can get you to support her anyway, right? And so if you end up fighting her on this – and I don't mean fighting her like yelling at her. I mean just fighting her like, no, uh, no, listen, you divorced me. I am not going to give you money. Right. You, I, I, you know, I, I, I set aside this money for us to go to couples counseling. And if you didn't want to go to couples counseling and you divorce me, you don't get the money. Like you don't get a penny and, until a court yeah. tells me I have to. And if you try and take me to court, I'm going to fight it tooth and nail. Right. Because that's the only way to get reasonable behavior is consequences. You know, people who won't deal with you decently based upon principles of morality and honor, you just have to trained them like i was like just put this tweet out you know this whole justin trudeau blackface thing right and people are like oh should we forgive him should if no of course not because the left would never forgive you like if donald trump had done blackface do you think they'd be like oh well a day or two of news cycle we'll just let it go and move on no they'd be hanging on to it like a no they would like a pit bull the white on a, House. yeah they'd be hanging on to it like a <laughs> like a pit bull on a newborn right and so exactly yeah so so no you i mean like you have to punish them with the consequences of their own principles otherwise they'll just view it as a weakness and continue to exploit it so again i'm not talking meanness or yelling or, or name calling or anything like that but uh, it's like just firmness just firmness like no no listen you uh, you want gas money you divorced me you don't get my gas you don't get gas money from me you know if you're being difficult with my like me seeing my daughter then i'm 
gonna get a lawyer and take you to court. Like just it like it's sad, but this is the way that that a lot of people in life just have to be dealt with if you have to deal with them. I mean, if it, if it was just a girlfriend, I'd say you know get out, or even if it was a wife, I'd just say you know dust your hands and walk off. But and you know depending on what happens in the future with your daughter, this is you know a possible co-parenting situation for the next twenty years or whatever. So you're gonna yeah. have to just train her to treat you in a reasonable manner. And that's never going to be by being nice to her. That's never going to be by appealing to her better nature. She doesn't have one. And, and like, I'm sorry to say, but this is just who she is. And you can't go back and reparent her. You can't go back and give her a different personality structure. Just about the most immovable thing in the universe is the opinion of a leftist and the personality of a messed up person. Like, you, you can't change it, you, 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 especially because yeah. she doesn't want to change it. In fact, she glorifies, in a sense, because she blames everyone else for everything that goes wrong. So you just have to be really, really firm, you know, really, really firm. I, you know, I once had a woman threaten to to uh, take me for half of what I had for a variety of reasons I won't get into here. And I was just like, that is absolutely not going to happen. That is not going to happen. You know, I came from a poor family. I scrabbled to make something of myself. You try and take that away. I'm going to fight you tooth and nail to, to the yeah. last penny that I have. And then you'll get half of one penny. Uh, and, and, you know, like you just got to like, some, I could just sit there and say, but, you know, we loved each other and I'm, I'm happy to pay a month or two rent when I move out and, and all of that. But, you know, because that's just weakness to some people. Like you just like just the, the, the only thing they respect is a show of strength. It's like, you know, like the dogs when they when they, they run into each other in the park, like there's a dominant dog and there's the, the submissive dog. And, and it's not about virtue or negotiation. It's just about strength. And so that you kind of have to steal yourself to recognize that you're now in a fight, right? You're not in a relationship. You're not in a marriage. You're in a war. And in a war, do you go over and shake the hands of your opponent and reason with them? Well, of course not, because they'll just view that as a weakness. They'll take you prisoner or they'll shoot you in the head, right? And so you're in a war now. And now it's not a war that involves any kind of physical aggression or any kind of verbal abuse, but it is a war. And so you have to switch from husband to soldier and to recognize that this is a battle and if you're going to have any kind of chance of reasonable behavior on a consistent basis, then you have to view it as a battle. And, you know, you don't fund your enemy and you don't give your enemy gas money if their tank runs out, right? I mean, it's like, again, I'm, again, I'm using this analogy again. I just want to reinforce there's no violence or aggression or name calling or verbal abuse here. But this is a battle now. And she's shown who she is. And if you're going to have any reasonable chance of, of reasonable behavior, it just has to be you make it more difficult for her to be unreasonable. And if you make it more difficult for her to be unreasonable, by golly, she'll find reason. Yeah, I, I understand that. And you, you kind of give me similar advice to what some, you know, some of my other friends are saying, especially my sister. Um, just something I struggle with with that is like, I've done it. And you ain't done what? I don't, you know, um, you know, uh, like told her, you know, if like if she's going to be difficult, I'm going to be difficult as well. And actually, you know, done that, been difficult when she's being difficult. And it's like, but I'm the only one who feels bad about it, you know, at the end of the day. And I just, and that's what sucks. That's what, you know, it's like, that's what I mean by it's hard to, um, to do that, you know, cause I feel bad and I know I shouldn't, but I can't help it. No, listen, you know? I, 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 you know, that makes you a good guy. Like, nobody wants to enjoy doing this. Nobody wants to feel good about it. That would be kind of sadistic, right? But you have to make it... Like, the only reason that this is a particular import is because of your daughter, right? Again, if you if you didn't have a kid, 
well, maybe you don't, but if you didn't have a kid, then none of this would be particularly relevant because you'd be like, oh yeah, this was my start of marriage and you know, blah, 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 right? She's got a job, so you don't need to give her alimony forever and so on, right? So the only reason that this is important is because of your daughter. Now, feeling bad and being, because the moment you feel bad and the moment you show that you feel bad, you're just going to be manipulated and controlled, right? So what is best for your daughter, right? So is you feeling bad good for your daughter? And the answer is, well, no, right? So the question is, what is the leverage that you can use to manage your feelings, right? So if there had been a firefight when you were in the military, then so what, right? If you'd had a firefight when you were in the military, it would have been scary, but you would have mastered your fear, right? I don't mean so what, like who cares, but it would be like, okay, it's still a job I have to do, right? If some pilot as we talked about at the beginning, had been shot down, right, and you've been trained, you would have gone out to try and help that pilot, right? That's the job, right? And you would have been scared, of course, right? But assuming it wasn't the suicide mission that you mentioned earlier, you'd, you'd manage your fear and you'd go and do it anyway. Is that fair to say? Yeah. That, no, that, that is fair to say. Because you have like a mission. Said, exactly. Now, you have a mission. You have a mission, which is what's best for your daughter. Now, what's best for your daughter is that you are not manipulated by your ex-wife. That's what's best for your daughter. And so if you have a larger mission, then you have a motive to manage your emotions, right? Like, if again, if you had a mission in the military, you would manage your emotions and you'd say, well, I'm scared, but feel the fear and do it anyway, right? That's what you need courage for. If you don't have any fear, you don't need any courage, right? Exactly. Right. Sorry, we're just getting a couple of hiccups here. So if you have a motive, then you can manage feeling bad and say, yeah, I feel bad. But I have to do it anyway. In the same way, if you had something that you had to do in the military, you'd say, yeah, I feel scared, but I got to do it anyway, right? Yeah, no, when you put it like that, it makes makes sense. I guess that's kind of the key to it that I was missing was the why behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, if I prioritize, you know, because yeah, you are right. I mean, I, it's not good for me, you know, uh, in the long term. It's not good for our daughter in the long term as well. Just like if it was the same, you know, if it was reversed where I was being abusive or manipulative, it wouldn't be good for her, you know. Well, listen, your daughter's going to have a hell of a ride because she's got that kind of mom, right? Yeah. And so you need to you, her, need to you need to be in your daughter's life, right? Again, yeah. assuming that she's your daughter and we, whatever you invite. But given all these assumptions, right, that, that so you need to be in your daughter's life and – if you are end up being bullied and controlled, then your ex is going to do like use use this access constantly as a way of bullying you and controlling you. And, you know, your daughter needs you in, in her life because she's got this kind of mom and you're not this kind of person. Right. So there's that motive. The other thing, too, is you sure as hell don't want down the road to end up with another woman like this. And so you need to learn how to manage these kinds of people because. That way, should you date someone in the future, your big concern and fear, she's going to end up turning out like like the mother of your child, right? And so yeah. if you stand up to this kind of person and you know how to handle and manage them, which is not an easy thing to do. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy, right? But what will happen is when you meet someone new and if they show any kind of nuttiness and you know how to be firm with them, then they'll blow up right then and there and you can just dump the relationship. You can just end it, right? Because you won't need to invest a whole lot of time to find out if they're crazy or not. No, that makes sense. Yeah, and that's something I had told her, too, is, you know, about kind of calling her out for, uh, you know, how her behavior is. And then as far as it is concerning our daughter as well, 
this kind of shitty thing she's been doing with her daughter. It's just like when, you know, she gets older and she is able to, you know, make some more decisions for herself, you know, like who she wants to stay with long term. Um, and she wants to get away from you. I'm not going to help you out. Like I won't be in your corner. I'm not going to, you know, try to work out a situation where she, you know, communicates with you and anything like that. I was like, I'm not going to help you out at all. And matter of fact, I'm going to do quite the contrary. Like if she makes that decision, I will support her hundred percent. Like you will get nothing from me. Right. You know? Okay. Let, let's do this. Right. So I, I think mm -hmm. we're, I think I've given you hopefully the, the useful perspective, but give me one tiny speech if you don't mind, man, which is what do you want to say? Cause listen, there'll be thousands or tens of thousands of guys out there or women too who are in a relationship with like a pretty sketchy and questionable person. And there are other people who know, like they know someone who's like this. Maybe it's a brother or a cousin, sister, maybe it's a, a friend or whatever. What do you want to say to people who are, well, you know, I don't want to interfere, and he says he loves her and so on. What do you want to say to those people about what you wish had happened with you? I, I would say uh, from both perspectives, from a person who is – in that situation, who is dealing with that, trust your gut. Um, you know, our body has mechanisms built in to defend us from stuff. So if your gut is telling you there's something wrong, lean into that. Trust your gut and the people who are advising you. Um, I know it's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to be wrong about the person that they've, you know, or whatever. But, you know, sometimes there's a reason for it, which is your own survival, whether that's mentally, physically or emotionally. And for people who are on the other side who know somebody who's in that situation and <clears throat> is scared to say something. Look, if you care about that, like, it, you know, you you I understand being afraid of hurting somebody's feelings, but sometimes it's for the best. Sometimes you need to say something, you know, um, because the long term effects are going to be worse than an uncomfortable, con you know, conversation, it, you know, having a five minute conversation, uh, you know, about that person is, it could, could potentially save their life in one shape, way, form or their shape, you know, because right. you don't know what the situation is they're going through, um, how detrimental the relationship is to them, you know, it could push them to the, to, to the edge. And they could either kill themselves or get killed by, you know, somebody else. Not to be too melodramatic about the situation, but, you know, those are all those possibilities. But, you know, just do it. Just have the conversation because if you really love and care about somebody, you know, a friend, family member, whatever, you need to be looking out for them even when they're being self-destructive, you know. So that well would be said. my advice to well said. Well, listen, people, I, 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 really, I really appreciate your time and, and the call today. I'm, I'm so glad that you reached out. And again, I'm so, so sorry that you're in this kind of situation. Will you, will you keep me posted? And again, I'm, don't feel shy about taking me up on my offer. I'm, I'm obviously very serious about it, and I'm very happy to help. But uh, I know it's a pride thing, and I understand that. But this is not meant in any denigrating way. But um, will, you, will you keep me posted about what's going on? Absolutely, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out to, to, and was to it, talk was to it, me. And was it useful to you? Was it helpful to chat? Yes, it was actually, you know, really useful and nice to get a kind of a fresh new perspective from, you know, kind of an outside view, uh, the eagle eye view of the situation. So, no, I really appreciate it. It was very helpful. Good. All right. Well, keep me posted. And, and thanks again for the chat today, man. No problem. You take it easy. I appreciate you, man. Bye.